I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Oh, yeah. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, uh, probably part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith, your boy. It is allegedly the football offseason, but things don't really slow down, uh, friend. Today, I am joined by Minneapolis Star Tribune Hoops and Gophers writer Marcus Fuller. Marcus, thank you for being on the show, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, other than the weather outside, which is still snowing in Minneapolis, uh, I'm pretty good. You know, we always complain about it, but we live it 24-7, so... We're fine. Spring is on its way. <laughs> yeah, eventually. That's what I keep telling myself, that that eventually it will be here. Uh, but actually, I said this yesterday. Spring is not quite sprung here in Nebraska yet either. Um, we could, like, we have not, well, actually, no, I take that back. We had snow flurries uh, yesterday uh, on Easter, so that's always fun. Um, but, man, it's tough. I feel like we end up talking about the weather all the time on whatever video or podcast I'm doing, but I feel like it's warranted because it's always strange. Like, I don't understand why we can't get sunshine yet. Well, the sad part is, as you know, spring football is here and uh we got a spring football game coming up and i'm not sure what the weather's going to be like uh right now it seems like it's, it'll be cleared by then but you never know yeah we actually lucked out so nebraska has already had their spring game um had it last weekend and it, it was the only day that week that was nice <laughs> like it was the only one um so that that's really interesting um so hey before before we continue on and move on to coach speak i do want to ask you something real quick because you mentioned spring football so like what has been just the general vibe around minnesota spring football so far well you know i, I think uh when you look at last year's team um, you know, expectations were high early and, and then they realized, you know, wow, um, you know, this team is struggling a little bit with injuries. Obviously, Mo Ibrahim, their top running back, one of the top running backs in the Big Ten in the country got hurt. You know, expectations lowered a little bit. Um, they had a couple of bad losses and all of a sudden, you know, they, they started to, to catch steam and, um, you know, right in the thick of it with the Big Ten uh, West Championship at the end of the season. So, I think, you know, optimism is still high. They've got a couple returning, um, uh, you know, starters, especially Tanner Morgan at quarterback. Um, you know, Chris Lottman Bell was injured at the end of the year. He's a wide receiver, one of the top receivers in the Big Ten. He's back. So there's a lot of optimism. And obviously, P.J. Fleck, um, you know, they gave him another contract extension. So that's always <laughs> great in the offseason. You never know when, um, you know, a team will try to, to take away uh, Fleck from the Gophers. Um, but, you know, like I said, uh, I think people are excited about, you know, what this team can be and, and hopefully uh, they can stay healthy because, um, you know, that's that's the number one thing in, in, in any sport is, is staying healthy. 
uh, especially when you don't have much depth. Yeah, and we've and it's funny we you mentioned that that kind of PJ Fleck and the contract extension and all that, and we've talked on this show quite a bit this off or this past off season um, about how crazy that coaching carousel was, right? And it feels like if if you were any program that had a coach that had a little bit to him, you were nervous because once that thing got spinning, it, it was out of control. And Fleck was definitely one of those guys um, that comes up quite a bit for whatever reason, whether or not it's his agent putting it out there or a combination of that and the fact they've had a lot of success there especially relative to what they were um previously like he always comes up but it was, it was such a wild coaching carousel um that i do think that a lot of people had pj circled for for everything that was going on yeah i mean we lost uh obviously uh zimmer you know the vikings coach so mm-hmm. you know that kind of took over uh, a, a mind of its own in the off season and you know i mean pj's name has been thrown around at the nfl level and there's always a, a really good job that opens up in college football um, that you hear his name mentioned. And obviously, it's his agent. You know, he's, he's got to right. make sure that, <laughs> you know, PJ's uh, still relevant out there across the country and, and people want, want, you know, want his name circulating. But I think, you know, he's here to stay, obviously, with the contract. But, um, you know, people here in Minnesota really enjoy what he's done outside the program. Um, you know, he does a lot for the community and makes sure his players – graduate and, and um, you know, are, are obviously good uh, citizens. And and that's the main thing. I mean, this football program and even the basketball pro- program before Ben Johnson early in Patino's tenure uh, had a lot of off the field, off the court situations mm-hmm. that kind of embarrassed the program. So I think we have seen a lot less of that. And, uh, you know, that's huge. Too. Yeah, that that is always a big thing. I think that's always something that you can hang your hat on when you can say, you know, we're we're doing the right things on and off the court. Like whether or not, like whatever level the winning is at, um, is one thing. But if we're not embarrassing the program, like you said, like I think you that ends up going a long way. Yeah, it's a combination. Yeah, you have a combination of struggling on the court and, and then embarrassment off the court. You know that that's. <laughs> That's a short tenure right there. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, now, speaking of short tenures, though, each week we have a couple of segments that are mainstays of the show. And the first one is called Coach Speak, where we go over something that a coach player or talking head said. And then we give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant. Coach Speak to Real Talk. The short tenure is Baker Mayfield. Like he's one of, I think he's now, he will end up being the third quarterback ever to be drafted number one overall and spend four seasons or less uh, with the team that drafted him. Um, and it feels like he's been there longer, but that's neither here nor there. Um, he had this to say to the YNK podcast uh, that dropped uh, late last week. And he said he, quote, 100% felt disrespected by the Browns uh, after their pursuit and then eventual landing of Deshaun Watson last month. And he also said, quote, I really, truly, honestly have no regrets of my time in Cleveland and I tried to and what I tried to give to that place. True Clevelanders and true Browns fans know that. So, Marcus, what did he mean by all that? Let's break that down. Well, he's trying to make us feel sorry for him. You know, he wants a lot of love uh, from the public. And, you know, there's not a love out there for Baker, you know, in the public guy. I mean, in Cleveland, I'm sure uh, there was a time there when he was playing well and, you know, they had a good team surrounding him and they wanted to back him. Uh, but outside of Cleveland, you know, first of all, in, in college, uh, you know, there's nothing that he did that, you know, didn't scream a great story. You know, us as journalists, you know, the way where he came from and, you know, and building himself into the quarterback he was, that's a great story, you know. But that story was told once and you're like, man, that's amazing. And then after that, just the way he's carried himself over the years, 
it makes you hard to to be a Baker fan, you know, unless you're actually the team he's 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 a quarterback right. for and he's playing well. Um, and, and and even in that case, you know, it's hard sometimes. <laughs> uh, he just makes it hard for people to like him, to love him. And I think he's just trying to he's reaching out there and he's trying to make us feel sorry for him, but it's not going to work. There's too many years of of us uh, saying, man, you know, he needs to just, you know, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but he just needs to to, to shut up and and play. And let the play do the talking, you know. I tell my son all the time, you know, he likes to talk trash. I said, <laughs> why do you walk the walk and talk it? You know, like talk it after the fact, you know, win it, win it, win a championship, you know, play well, and then tell me about it. That's fine. But uh I don't want to hear it, especially after the situation that happened. You know, I, I want to see him play well and then all of a sudden say, Hey, look, look at look, Cleveland, this is what you missed, you know, because that then then it speaks for itself. Yeah, it's it's tough, and you're right because it's Baker makes it hard for you to like him and really wrap your arms around him and root for him, unless you're a Cleveland fan, which I feel like they did kind of embrace him. If you think about it, when things were going really well, he's on all those commercials and he's doing all this stuff, right? Um, then it turned really quickly on him. But like to me, the problem for Baker too is that you can't really have it both ways. You can't be the guy that that likes to talk trash, that likes to dance, that likes to do all this stuff, especially at quarterback. It's a little bit different at quarterback. Um, but then also want to turn around and have us feel sorry for you. Like it, it's just not, it just doesn't work that way. And so, and I feel like he has kind of a, a lack of awareness about that part of it. Um, but I understand why he doesn't want to kind of fully admit that. And what, but I also understand a little bit of why he feels disrespected in the situation and part of it and he I don't think that he can ever really say this in that yes on the field Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield you're not just, you're just not going to have any real arguments about that it's the off the field stuff that makes this really murky for Baker Mayfield right when you can't you can't say hey Baker I need you to tone it down and we need you to act a certain way and we need a leader in the locker room and then turn around and trade everything Thing. Um, well, they, they didn't trade everything, but give give all the money um, to Deshaun Watson, given all of the things that he has going on off the field, right? I think that that part of it is probably eating away at Baker as well. But like I said, I just don't think he could ever – I don't think he can really go there and say that because then, A, it, it would be weird in a way for another player to say that about a player, right? You just don't hear that all that often, especially when it comes to legal cases and then referring to that. Um, but then also he would sound like a hater if he did it anyway. Anyway, like it's just he's just kind of in the damned if you do damned if you don't situation on that. Yeah, it's about football um, in the end. And that's why, um, you know, like I said, have have it speak on the field, you know, uh, for yourself. You know, you don't need to come out and, and like I said, try to make us feel sorry for you, because when you start winning somewhere else, it speaks for itself. And then we'll be like, man, Cleveland, you know, whatever happens with Watson, um, you know, unless he wins a championship. You know, if Baker goes on and he's playing well and he gets to the playoffs and, mm-hmm. and has, a, has a run, I mean, they're going to say, hey, you know, <laughs> there are two resumes and then compare it then. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I have to admit, there's a part of me that does feel a certain way about Baker uh, now that he's gone, you know, and until he has another team. I'm like, you know what? I'd like to see him get another chance, you know, like I'm all about second chances, especially for a quarterback that I still think that has a lot of ability, you know, right. Uh, it just depends on the team he goes to. <laughs> yeah, you could, he end up in Carolina. Like it's not going to go so well. Like you got to, yeah. <laughs> you need a better team. It's like uh, right. In the past, they said it's the you know the graveyard of coaches. Um, PJ Fleck has turned that around, but 
on the basketball side, uh, <laughs> Ben's Ben Johnson's in his first year, but, uh, you know, before him, you know, including the, a future hall of famer, and I think in Tubby Smith, um, you know, he got fired, uh, and every coach that I've covered, uh, has ended getting fired, you know, and not moved on to a better team. So, um, <laughs> I can, I, I have that sense of what Carolina's going through, like, wow, whatever quarterback we're bringing in is really going to work out after Cam Newton. It's, it's gone downhill. Right. Yeah, it, it absolutely has. Um, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned kind of what's happening, you know, with the Gophers. Because actually, I want to go there next um, before we before we do a little bit of Timberwolves talk as well. And that uh, you wrote a story a few days ago, four days ago, um, with the title, Imagine a Gophers Hoops Team with Mostly Minnesota Talent, Ben Johnson's Close to Making It Happen. One of the things that I am just kind of following along with your work and following along with people talking about Minnesota, either high school basketball or college basketball, it seems to be a real thing that the Gophers, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, that the Gophers need to keep their in-state talent home and they would be a better program if they could do that. Is that a fair assessment just from my 10,000 foot view? No, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, as someone that's in the Big Ten footprint, um, you see pretty clearly that you know, there's a lot of Minnesota talent, uh, mm-hmm. not only here, but, um, you know, around the country. Um, you know, they've done a great job uh, in state high school level, AAU level of uh, coaching these players up uh, and also giving them exposure. I mean, my son plays AAU basketball and, and he's he's traveling out of town next weekend. Um, <laughs> you know, he's going he, he was in Omaha uh, a couple weeks ago and they're going out of town again to Denver. Um, and this is in the sixth grade. So okay. <laughs> imagine what the high school level's like. And uh, these kids are getting so much exposure. And, you know, there's one thing to be on the the, the right stage, but there's also the, you have to perform. And, um, you know, they've had the Jalen Suggs, the Chet Holmgrens, uh, Paige Beckers in, in women's basketball. Um, you know, not a lot, a lot is talked about women's bas- or girls basketball, but their AAU teams uh, travel across the country and they do extremely well. So I think it's all across the board. And you're seeing it with Lindsey Whalen in the women's side. Mm-hmm. He has a freshman class coming in of, of four high school players from Minnesota that are probably going to play a lot as freshmen. Ben Johnston has three players from Minnesota in his freshman class, his first freshman class that's coming in, and they're expected to do well. So I think, you know, it starts with the Minnesota talent. And like my story said, Ben Johnson was hired. I mean, he's a Minnesota guy, grew up here. Uh, went to school here after transferring from Northwestern. Um, obviously, was an assistant here under Patino. Uh, so he knows what the Minnesota talent is like, and, and he knows that um, that's why he was hired, um, to keep those best players at home. Uh, and, you know, right now he has seven players uh, – I'm sorry, six players on the roster from Minnesota. And, and it could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. But, um, you know, we're hearing a lot of good things about him possibly getting North Carolina transfer Dawson Garcia. So if that happens, you know, I think this team uh, going into next year uh, will be uh, one, one that, that makes a huge jump. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I think that there's uh, there's parallels here when it comes to Minnesota basketball. Um, and I think the overall the talent is better. But the but um, Nebraska football is in a way like this, too. And I hear this all the time on the football recruiting side about, hey, if Nebraska could keep these kids home. And especially here recently over these last handful of years, you do see a lot of kids here in Nebraska and football going power five at various places in the country. And they are there. It's not Nebraska like they're not. A lot of these kids um, are starting to leave 
believe in the 2023 class, we really want to get into the nitty gritty. They're doing a better job and have turned it around in that. Um, but even so, they just had a quarterback um, from 40 minutes away from Lincoln, not even uh, Gretna, Nebraska, just committed yesterday to Oklahoma State, a quarterback. So you you end up in this situation where it, it makes it, it puts such a spotlight on the program in a bad way, um, for sure, when players from the state go on to have success other places. Like, it's just really rough because what you're always going to have people back home that are following those guys or girls and then throw it back in the current coach's faces, especially in the situation when uh, the coaching staff doesn't recruit those people or it's like or the perception is that they didn't recruit those those recruits as hard as they did some of these out-of-state kids that they didn't necessarily pan out with. Um, and so it'll be fascinating to me to see if Ben Johnson gets that thing rolling with the in-state players and if he can keep that going to keep them coming back home because we talked earlier about the combination of things that can get you a longer tenure another one of those things that can really help you is is if you say listen we're growing with homegrown players even if you have some bumps along the way you'll get some more grace from people for that too yeah I mean if you look at uh, Richard Pertin obviously uh, was fired last season but if you look at the way that he was able to stick around, um, you know, he went from an, a nine win team, I'm sorry, an eight win team to a 20 plus win team and made the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. uh, his first time at Minnesota back in 2016. And it was after he got the best player in the state of Minnesota, Amir Coffey, who's in the NBA right now playing for the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, and then the second time he went to the tournament a few years later uh, it was after a, a down year. Uh, he got the best big man out of the state, Daniel Turu, who was drafted uh, first time a Minnesota player was drafted, or I'm sorry, the Gophers had a draft pick in 16 years. And, you know, he's, he's with the Chicago Bulls uh, NBA affiliate or G league affiliate. I'm sorry. So that's huge right there. I mean, you get two of the best players out of state. Um, they're in the NBA. You make the NCAA tournament. I mean, that seems to be the formula. Uh, he didn't do that too much in his tenure, and that, that's one of the main reasons why he's gone. You know, he missed out on on players, you know, that are in the NBA right now. So I think, you know, Minnesota talent in basketball is pretty clear. Uh, you know, when you have Paige Beckers and Chet Holmgren, Chet Holmgren possibly the number one pick in the draft, and Paige <laughs> Beckers, you know, the most marketable player in college basketball, man, man or woman, right. um, you know, that, that sends a huge statement everywhere. You know, I mean, that, that wow why aren't these players playing locally? And, you know, you can't argue with Paige, um, you know, playing in the national championship game with UConn, <laughs> right. maybe the best coach of all time in Gino Ariama. Uh, and then also, you know, Chad Holmgren getting the chance to be the number one pick. And, you know, he was playing for Gonzaga, who had just been in the national championship game. You know, those two players are going to ha- be hard to, to, to keep them home, you right. know, but in the future, you know, if you're bring, building your program to a point where they're competing for, a conference championship and you say, Hey, you can come here and take us to the next level. You know, I think that that possibly will make some of these players stay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and right now, you know, as we kind of get this situation where Ben Johnson is trying to get that thing rolling, like you mentioned, Lindsey Whalen um, going in the right direction with the women's team. That's the only hot story right now in Minnesota basketball, right? It's one of the things, and it's interesting because, again, here um, in Nebraska, the Timberwolves are a team that a lot of people around here like just because there isn't – obviously there isn't a pro team in the state, and so people gravitate towards the Timberwolves. They gravitate towards the Nuggets. Um, now the Timberwolves are winning again. I'm seeing a lot more 
more Timberwolves stuff, right? Um, and so they're back in the playoffs. They've only been there a few times in what the last, I think, like 16, 17 years. I think it's the second or third time that they've been. That's um, why they were celebrating. That's why they were yeah. celebrating. You know, <laughs> people think, oh, they win the, the play-in, they win the championship. But just to get in the playoffs, uh, to break that streak, I mean, Sacramento, I think, has the longest streak of not making the playoffs. And when they do, watch, it's going to be their Super Bowl. Yeah, Sacramento hasn't made it since uh, the iPhone was invented. I know that because we have somebody on staff, Steve Mark. Sorry, man. Uh, I know you're listening. Uh, <laughs> Steve is a big T- Kings fan. Um, and so I-, I tease him about the fact that they haven't made it since the iPhone. Well, was don't make fun of the Kings. Don't make fun of the Kings when they finally make the playoffs, right? And they're, and I mean, they're yeah, yeah, but yes, when they make it eventually, though, I will not make fun of them for celebrating. Yeah. And that I did think that that was silly. I thought that that was overblown um, about people, you know, saying that they, they act like they won the championship for them i'm with you for them it was the championship and just making it plus you gotta it's a real good sign and a step in the right direction for this kind of young group of exciting players that they have as well um and and so the excitement right now around that around that franchise i think is very warranted yeah i mean we have um we have a shared owner uh, in Glenn Taylor with the Minneapolis Star Tribune, so we pay close attention to the Wolves. Uh, right. But um, you know, I think if you look at Edwards, you know, some, some people say, "Hey, well, look at how Lamelo Ball did." You know, his rookie year, and Edwards was doing really well uh, scoring the ball. But every, everybody thought, "Okay, is he going to be able to develop? You know, his outside shot? Is he going to be a two-way player? Um, can he be more than just a scorer?" And I said, well, I, I thought to myself, what's wrong with just being a scorer? Yeah, right. That's <laughs> a good role to have, too. Right. <laughs> you know, if he can do that consistently, you know, as a guard um, and, and you know, balance Cat a little bit, I mean, that's huge. You know, that that two one-two punch is something a lot of teams don't have, you know. And, and I feel like, you know, this team adding a guy like Patrick Beverly, you know, to be a leader and to be a guy that demands, you know, excellence on both sides of the court, you know, help. Cat and uh, you know Edwards, you know, and D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell's not beating right. down the doors either on defense. You know what I mean? So, I think Pat Beverly was huge. Uh, Chris Finch, you know his his belief in this team and these players, and uh, putting them in the right place offensively to get out their potential. You know, they're their best scoring team in the in the in the NBA. Uh, so I think those the combination of Pat Beverly. Uh, accountability, especially defensively, and then obviously Finch putting him in the best position uh, to be successful offensively, you know, makes them a tough out. Uh, but at the same time, it's just the energy. You're right. The energy. I mean, we've got new owners coming in with, you know, A-Rod and Mark Lohr. And then, you know, the fact that, you know, pandemic was there and not a lot of fans were there. And, you know, what what went on with George Floyd's murder in Minneapolis and all the negativity that was surrounding this city for so long, um, you know, to have an exciting NBA team, up and coming NBA team, up and coming superstar. And really, uh, I mean, I think Cat's already there. You know, he just doesn't have the wins and the success and, and right. the playoff appearances. But his success in the regular season individually puts him right up there with any big man in, in, the, in the NBA. So, you know, there's really everything there for, for Minnesota to take the next step. If they if they win this playoff series, I mean, come on now. Uh, I think I think uh, Joe Biden's gonna have to show up and, and congratulate the Wolves for winning the playoffs. <laughs> right. <laughs> at least at least jump on a Zoom with them. <laughs> so, but no, I I I really do think that regardless of what happens in this Grizzlies series, 
you know, a lot of people are jumping on board, including myself. I can't, I can't lie. You know, I, I'm thinking <laughs> they're going to win the series because they want game one. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, they, they, they've, they've really, you know, kind of, they've arrived as a team to, to watch in the West. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And and it's a fun story. Like anytime you talk about people like, you know, you get second chances and you like that, people enjoy that. They also enjoy seeing teams that have been down for so long. And especially the teams like you, you when you're down that long in the NBA and you get so many high picks, um, people enjoy eventually seeing that come together, right? And so for that to the theme seems to now be homegrown to have, you know, your two best players in Edwards and and Cat be two guys that you draft. Drafted, um, and then have a, a redemption story. To be honest with D'Angelo Russell, which I know all about as a Lakers fan. Um, then th- that that kind of stuff makes your team a lot more marketable, but it also makes it easy for people to root for you. Um, I think while people really like that Grizzlies team, and that Grizzlies team is another really fun, young, up and coming team, and I love John Morant watching him play. Uh, I think you're gonna have a lot of people like suddenly like, man, I kind of hope the Timberwolves pull this one out. We'll see if they can actually do it though. Yeah, I mean, my my son, his favorite team is Memphis. It's because of John Morant. Like, yeah, he's been one player on Memphis besides John Morant. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're sports guys, so we know. But you know, the 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 casual fan, they don't know anybody on Memphis besides no. John Morant. And so I always think of that. Like, you know, there's a reason why Chuck and you know, you know, Chuck and Shaq picked the Wolves to win that series. It wasn't just like they got caught. I mean, part of it was they got caught in the moment, right? <laughs> right, celebrate so much of the play and win, but you know they got they got three guys that we know about. You know, not they weren't only just you know they're playing well right now. I mean, these are top picks in the NBA draft. They were really good, you know, college players, um, you know, really good high school players. So like they've been there. You know, John Morant is 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 like one of the ultimate like you know like rag to rags to riches stories, mm-hmm. right? I mean, nobody knew about him in, in in high school, of course, and he went to Murray State, and then nobody knew him when he started at Murray State, and all of a sudden, you know, he ends his career. He's you know in the NCAA tournament and, and just like capture our imagination with his athleticism and his and, and his dunks, and and he's become a, one of the best point guards in the in the NBA. But he's still one man, you know. Right. So I feel like you know, <laughs> when it comes to the Wolves especially offensively. I mean, it doesn't matter if, whether in Memphis or Minnesota, you know, they can put points on the board. And and then, you know, Jaden McDaniels come off the bench and playing well versus the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. They've got other guys that, that can uh, support their big three. Um, and, and then I'm, I'm just, I'm really, I hope Memphis gives them a good series because I'd like to see Ja versus Ant, you know, as long as right. we can. But I really do think, like I said, there's more to the Wolves than just one player. You know, and and that's kind of what I see when I see the Grizzlies. And they're fun. They're fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. But I just think there's more potential to me in the in the Wolves than than than, than Memphis. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page with you on that. I, I definitely agree. Um, now, every week we end the show with a segment called Put Them on Blast, where we basically put someone on blast for something that they did or said. Put them on blast. I'm going to go ahead and uh, go first on this one. Um, and this is a, a recipient. If you, you guys are longtime listeners of the show, know that he's a, a recipient of the Lifetime Put Them on Blast Award. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, he's, he's back uh, for more comments that he made. Now, listen. 
I understand that Dabo Sweeney is kind of old school in his thinking, a lot more old school than you maybe would think based on either his age or that program and how much success that they've had. Um, but I think that his old school ways are going to get in the way of this Clemson dynasty. We want to talk about what's about to derail them. Um, it might be this. So Dabo <laughs> has a history of some problematic statements. Let's leave it there. He said again um, this past week that he was basically he is for NIL, but we're going the wrong way. It's ruining college football. He was pressed further. And what I give him credit for on a wide ranging kind of Q&A um, in a session with reporters, um, he was pressed about like how much money college football coaches should make um, and if it was OK that they made that much money. Then he lost me because that's when he started talking about, well, you know, Nick Saban and I, we don't control the market and, you know, we didn't get into this for the money and all of that sort of stuff. But you can't say that you didn't get into it for the money and the market controls that. And it's totally fine that y'all make eight to ten million dollars a year, but then turn around and be upset that the players can get a piece of that pie. Right. Like that. It's the hypocrisy in it for me that continues to get him put on blast for me. That continues to be the reason why um, that Dabo defenders are always saying that we just yell at him. This is the reason why it's the hypocrisy. The reason why he gets yelled at and Saban does not is because yes, Saban came out and said that um, NIL was going to be a problem. We shouldn't be using it for recruiting, but you know what he's going to turn around and do? He's going to turn around and use it for recruiting the same way that he said that the spread offense wasn't right for college. wasn't great for college football. He said the transfer portal wasn't either. And then he took both of those and won national championships. So for all that and much more, Davo Sweeney, you got to go on blast again. Oh, poor Davo, you know. Yeah, he, poor Davo, yeah. <laughs> for him, you know, like we feel sorry for Baker. <laughs> but, right. uh, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of someone. You know, I was watching on Easter Sunday, I was watching some NBA playoffs, and, uh, you know, I, that, that Boston and, and that series uh, was just incredible, you know, the start of that. And, um, you know, Boston, I'm not a big, huge fan of Boston because, you know, back in the day, I'm like, you know, I'm like you, man. I'm on the West Coast. I'm from the West mm -hmm. Coast. Lakers all the way. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like Boston. But I couldn't help but like Boston because the way Kyrie was acting. <laughs> yeah. I got I to put Kyrie on blast. I mean, you know, the, the, the brother's playing now. I didn't think he would be playing, you know, no. the stance he made, obviously, earlier in the season during the pandemic. But I just think that the way he was acting toward the, the Nets fans, um, come on, man. You got to have more class than that. I don't care how many pe people hate you out there. Just like I said, the same thing with Baker. Just let it, let it, let your play on the, on the court or the field talk, you know, right. and, and, you know, you can see on Twitter, you know, some of the stuff they won't show you on ESPN, you know, with him putting the middle finger in the back of his yeah. head and, you know, run, run down the court with the middle finger at the fans. I mean, you know, like I said, if they would have won that game, the way he was playing, that's all the talk he needed. Right. You know, was the way they, they were playing in that game. So I think that affected his team down the stretch. You know, he got too caught up in all that. Uh, and obviously going one-on-one, -on -one, him and KD down the stretch. But I got to put I got to put Kyrie even on blast, Kyrie Irving on blast, you know. Um, he's fun to watch. But that other stuff, man, just just let, let your play do the talking. He I, that is the perfect way to put that because he is incredibly fun to watch. But you just you just people that is hard to wrap your arms around. My goodness, uh, oh my like this, you know, he was yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, see, that's fine. Like, 
But when he started to put the double birds and all that stuff, I mean, that, yeah. that's too much. It's kind of the difference. You know what it reminded me of, actually, is the difference between what he did um, yesterday and what um, Trey Young does in, in his game, when he did in the playoff, the uh, play-in game, right, where it, it feels like, and maybe because I don't, like, watch every single Hawks game, it, it feels like when I see Trey Young do that stuff, it's after they've won the game, right? It's always, or it's as he's playing really, really well and they're on their way to winning the game. And maybe right. that's the difference to me. Um, but I guess, said, you know, he says stuff, you know, he, you can, you can read his lips. Yeah. You know, that's fine. But, you know, like he, he takes it a little too far. Kyrie takes a little, little bit too far. And I get it. Like, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I don't get it like they do because I'm not on the court and I don't hear what the fans are saying to him. You know, yeah. who knows what kind of wor- words they're saying to him. But I mean, and, and that's another, you know, thing right there. Um, but like I said, there's things that are caught that we see that people are caught, get caught on camera and get caught on video. You know, those are hard to dispute. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we don't know what the fans are telling him. And then after the game, after you won and you upset Boston, then you can say, hey, you know, OK, these, these, these are the things that they were saying, you know, to me. And uh, yeah, and it it fueled me during, and I'm glad we knocked it out. Like, and then then you got the ultimate scoreboard. It it makes me, you know, even more on your side. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's all. That's all. I mean, Kyrie is Kyrie, and like I said, it's hard for me to root for him. He had a great game, and he's fun to watch. But when he adds that stuff to it, you know, you know, young people like my son are watching the game. It's like, hmm. Don't be doing that. Yeah, it's <laughs> tough. to be back at the fans and then be doing that. So, yeah, that that is definitely tough. But that's going to do it for us this week. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to them. Rate us and leave us five star review. If you only leave four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure you're checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, Nebraska Preps Post Game Show, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. Also, make sure you're checking out that Hill Varsity YouTube page. Uh, you can catch me back over there with another recruiting question video of the week. Um, you can also get after us on Twitter as well, or you can email the show at straight up breakdown at hailvarsity.com. I will catch y'all next week. A Huda Media Production.